Good morning. Happy Sabbath. So my wife and I just recently finished reading a book. It's, uh, you know, Pablo Goya was here about a month or so ago. And, and uh, he's written this book. And this book is basically his testimony. It's how God has worked in his life. And we just finished reading this book. And if you haven't read this book before, it's called One Miracle After Another. It's a powerful book. I mean, it, it really is a powerful book. I mean, you know, you read about the miracles of Jesus, you know, in the Bible. When you read, the, when you read Pavel's book, you see Jesus' miracles in his book. And, it, and it, what's, what's really cool about it is that you might think that miracles really don't happen that much anymore. That, you know, they, they, were, they were in Jesus' day and they were in the Bible, but they don't really happen in, in our day today. But when you read his book, Pavel's book, you see that, boy, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. There are miracles happening right here in our time. And, and it's, a, it's a powerful book. I encourage you to read it. I'm just going to ask the Lord to, uh, to bless this message today. Father, I come before you. and Lord, it's your spirit that is why I'm here today. And it's your spirit that um, has drawn me from um, danger and from temptation and from evil um, throughout my whole life. And I pray for your spirit today. I pray that you would anoint um, my lips and that you would give me the right words to share today. My goal today, Lord, is to lift you up and nothing else. And I pray this in your name. Amen. So, when I think about a testimony, I mentioned Pavel Goya, but I also think about, I think about Jesus. You know, Jesus had, Jesus had a testimony, and he shared with his disciples on a continual basis about his relationship with God, and the reason that he was there, and the reason, and, and, and the things that he was going to do, and the things that he had done, and, and he shared that. And he was sharing it with the Pharisees. And it was interesting. The Pharisees said to him, Now you are testifying on your own behalf. What you say proves nothing. And Jesus says, No. Even though I do testify on my own behalf, what I say is true. Because I know where I came from and where I am going. And, that's, and I love that. It, it, that's how I feel today. I know where I've been. And I know what God has delivered me from, and I know how God has worked in my life. And so, my testimony, and your testimony as well, is powerful. Anytime somebody asks me to, to share my testimony, I'll share my testimony. And, and the reason for that is because that is how God has worked. God didn't, God didn't work in my life or, or work in your life for you not to share it, Right? There's, there are a lot of people struggling today in, in their faith. I, I just heard this morning that um, some good friends of mine aren't keeping the Sabbath anymore. And, and, and I heard the same thing several months ago. They've completely walked away from the church and walked away from Spirit of Prophecy and, and Ellen White. And so there's a lot of people struggling today. And sometimes a testimony will move somebody, will, will move somebody's heart. Okay, so I'm doing this correctly and it's not working. 
Oh, the power on. Thank you. Okay, yep, there we go. Vibrating. First Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. If I can read that back there, I can. I, I'm not used to this. These screens are new. A holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And when I think about, when I think about sharing a testimony, I think about this verse. I think about how God has, has brought me out of darkness into His marvelous light. And I'm sure He's done the same thing for, for a lot of you as well. I shared, a, I shared uh, here a month ago or so on Adventist education. I spoke on Adventist education. Um, I shared this slide. This slide is um, my mom over here to the far left and my, bro- my brother uh, Mike, my younger brother, and myself. Um, I was raised in this church. My mom, uh, my mom joined this church when she was 10 years old and, and uh, brought her whole family into the church. And so I was raised in this church, went to church school uh, for, for many of the years. This is, uh, this is my siblings. This is me and my brother Mike and my oldest brother Marty and my other brother Mickey and my sister Michelle. And we are standing in front of a house that would months later burn to the ground. And that was a, that was a hard time for us. We, we, uh, we, really, we really struggled. We were struggling then, um, but we really struggled after the burning down of the house. And uh, there was a family, a guy that my dad worked with, and they had six children of their own, and they moved us into their home with, with six children. And we lived with them for, for quite some time. And I've shared before the importance, you know, we just had a thrift store in Atascadero. I've shared before the importance about, you know, having something like that. You know, um, we had a Dorcas, that's what we called it when I was, when I was growing up in this church. We had a Dorcas. And if it wasn't from that Dorcas, we wouldn't have had any clothes to wear. I mean, we, we literally, we lost everything. I mean, some people have been through that. My brother, Mick, um, on the far left, He's been through it twice. I don't know if you remember here about three years ago, he lost his house out there in the Park Hill fire, burned completely to the ground. He lost everything. And, and, and uh, thankfully, we were out of town when our house burned, and so we were okay, but we lost everything. I mean, the house literally burned to the ground. Matthew 6.31 says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we eat? What shall we wear? Um, this verse, I think, you know, fit that, that time period in my life really well because we didn't worry about anything. I mean, our needs were met. Um, it was just about two months after the fire. We were able to move into another house with the help of a lot of people. And, and in those days, you know, my dad was already working two jobs. And so times, times were really, really difficult. It was interesting because, you know, when I was, when I was growing up in this church and going to church school, um, my dad came to me, um, in the, in the seventh grade and he said, you know, he says, you might as well go to the eighth grade junior high school, um, uh, public school because you're not going to go to academy. We, we can't afford to send you to academy. So you're going to have to go to public school. And I had already been to public school and I didn't want to go back to public school because I knew what public school was like. I really wanted to go to church school, but I didn't have that option. And so um, in my eighth grade year, I started, 
um, getting together with with the wrong kids. Um, I was a cowboy. We had, you know, a farm, a ranch. We raced horses, and I, I just mixed in with with the with the wrong crowd. And and this verse um, I ran across. I've shared the verse, you know, Paul in, in Corinthians. He talks about running the race. And this one, I it is perfect. It says you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? This. I ran across this verse this week, and I was like, wow, this, this verse is powerful. You were running a good race, but what happened? So that was me. I was running a good race, and then, and then it just, I, I can tell you, I said this when I spoke on Adventist education, the very worst thing you can do to a child, and, and, and this, is, this is just not me talking, this is statistics, the very worst thing you can do to a child is pull them out of a church school and put them in public school. I, I, I'm telling you. Because unless, of course, you're just like super, like super, super um, parent and, and you're with them all the time because, especially in the world today, what children are exposed to in public schools is horrendous. It really is. Oh. My dad, my dad and my mom dated for three months before they got married. She, she met him out at Camp Roberts and, and he was born and raised a Pentecostal and he was, uh, he was, you know, he was a good Christian guy. I, I've talked to my, my mom, my mom has four brothers. I've talked to, you know, them about my dad, um, in the, in the, in the past. And my dad went away to Korea and when he came back from Korea, this is every one of my uncles tell me the same thing. He was a changed man. He was not the same person. And so, you know, he was gone for I don't know how long, you know, 14, 15 months. And and when he came back, you know, my mom, you know, had my oldest brother Marty and um and my dad was not the same man. And so it was a it, it was a difficult time. My 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 mom all of a sudden is is reintroduced to this man and and he's changed he's not the same and my dad always told me when he was growing up when i was growing up my dad always told me that he was going to live you know forever i mean he he smoked he drank he didn't he he just he took his he took his health for granted and he's and he said you know my grandmother lived until she was 106 and you know i'm 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 fine you know whenever i'd say something to him about his health um, this is my grandma, my great grandma. This was my dad's grandma, uh, Laura Beamer. This was on her 105th birthday. And she lived until she was 106. And I met her when she was 101, um, in 1969. Went back there and, and met her. And she is doing exactly what she did all the time. She's reading her Bible. Very strong Christian woman. My dad unfortunately died when he was 77 because he didn't take care of his health. My grandma Beamer, she took care of her health. Uh, This is my my transcripts from high school. I want to share this with you for a reason because it gives you an indication of of how my life was at that time. It was a wreck. These are F's and D's. And there is nothing there for my senior year because I didn't attend school my senior year. I quit school. 
my, my dad and I, we didn't get along at all. And, and he kicked me out when I was 17. And, and I was working two, well, no, at that time I was only working one job, but I, I picked up another job and I, so I was working two jobs. And so I, um, it was a difficult time. It, it was, uh, it was a hard time. And I got in with the wrong people and I got into more and more drinking by the time I was, by the time I was 16, I was, I was working at a restaurant. That was one of my jobs. And, and I used to take, I used to take the drinks that people didn't finish and I would, I would, you know, make my own, you know, little, you know, bottle. And, and so then when I got done, when I got done working, I would, you know, go do whatever. And I had, you know, all this free alcohol because I'd been, you know, stealing drinks. And so by the time I was, uh, by the time I was 17, I had a pretty serious drinking problem. And, and, uh, I got my first drunk driving ticket when I was just like two weeks after I turned 18. And the reason I'm sharing that is because it wasn't just a drunk driving ticket. I ran into the police car with my car. And, and so it was, it was quite an ordeal and I did gel time. And, and so recently I was visiting a friend of mine in jail here in San Francisco County jail and it brought back a lot of memories because I've been in that jail. I mean, I, not visiting people, I was actually in the jail. And, and, uh, so when I was there, I was sharing with the pastor because I went there with the pastor and, and, uh, and I was sharing with him, you know, a little bit about my testimony. Well, first I was telling him, you know, that this is kind of ironic because I've been in this jail. And so I was kind of sharing with him a little bit. And so he wanted me to share my testimony today. And so, like I said, anytime somebody asks me to share my testimony, I'm willing to do that because I'm always, I'm always willing to share how God has worked in my life. I got into, I got into drugs. I got into a position in my life where, um, it was, it was really bad. I mean, I was doing a lot of drugs and I was drinking a lot of alcohol and, and my life was a wreck. And, and, uh, and I remember, um, one time this guy that sold me my drugs, I remember him telling me, you know, you should sell this stuff. You know, you should, you should start selling this and that way it won't cost you so much money. And, and, and so, um, I did. I started selling. I started selling drugs. And, and, uh, and one night in Paso Robles, um, I was making this big delivery. My trunk was full of drugs and, um, and I got pulled over, um, by a policeman. And I was sitting there in the front seat of my car with my partner. And, you know, that verse back there, you know, that said, you know, you were running a good race. You know, what happened, you know, to, you know, to make you disobedient. This guy that I ran around with was one, was, was, was one of those things in that verse was, was one of the reasons that, you know, that I wasn't running a good race anymore. He was, uh, he had been in prison before and, and, uh, anyway, um, that's what he told me. Um, you know, we're getting pulled over. We pulled over on the side of the road and, and my partner goes, you know what? I'm not going back to prison. And, and, uh, he goes, you have your gun. And I said, yeah, I have my gun. And, and so I reached down and I'm only sharing this with you because this is the power of God and this is the power of prayer. I reached down under my seat and I grabbed my gun and I set it in my lap and I don't know what I was going to do. I'd been up for about two days. I'd just been drinking and doing drugs and, and so my mind was just scrambled. These people right here, this is, this is my mom's mom and dad. My grandma was a member of this church for 56 years. And 
at that time, my grandfather was already, was already deceased at that time. The story that I'm telling you about. But my grandma, it was a Friday night, and my grandma was home praying. Because that's what she did. That's what she did at night. She was a prayer warrior. They, two of them were prayer warriors. I can remember when we were little kids, we would stay with my grandparents. And, and we would uh, we'd, we'd lay in bed at night and, and listen to them pray. They were praying all the time. They prayed for everybody. They prayed for all of us kids, all their grandkids. They prayed for their children. They prayed for everybody. Prayer warrior. So I set the gun on my lap. And the policeman gets out of his car and he's starting to walk up to my car and he gets right about to the rear tire on the passenger side of my car. And he turns around and he gets in his car and he drives away. And that's a true story. That's a true story. That bothered me for a long time. I mean, it just, it, it just, it blew me away. It just blew me away. That, that whole night and where my life was, it would just, it was, it, I was at a point in my life where I, I didn't even know who I was anymore. Cowboy in the day and then who knows what at night. And that my life was just a wreck. And I had lunch with a friend of mine. Shortly after that, I had lunch with a friend of mine. He was a Christian. He sat down with me and, and, he, and he bought me lunch. And he said, he goes, Malin, he goes, he goes you, need, you need to turn your life around. He goes, you, you have a choice. He says, you can stay here in this area and, and, and probably four or five years be doing the exact same thing or maybe dead. You know, who knows? He says, or you, or you can change your life around. You know, get into a program, go to school, do something. And so I did. I got into a program. I started going to, um, um, uh, it's called Naranon, Narcotics Anonymous instead of Al-Anon. Um, I still had a drinking problem, but I was able to, I was able to, I was able to get, um, through, by God's grace, I was able to get away from drugs and, and, uh, and, but I still had my drinking problem. So I, I, uh, um, I owe a lot. Uh, to uh, to this couple right here. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I'll tell you, that's that's exactly where I was at in my life. I was uh, I was double-minded. I would say things, you know, and and oftentimes I would have to um, I would have to uh, you know say another lie or something, and and. And, and sometimes I didn't even know what was true, truthfully. If you tell enough lies and you say the same thing over and over, you begin to believe it and you don't even know what's true. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I can tell you that, that I, I did. I started school. And, um, and you saw my grades in high school. So when I started college, man, I'll tell you what, by God's grace, I was just able to squeak by. And, and uh, I moved to Redding, uh, California. I went to Shasta College. Um, I graduated from Shasta College with pretty good grades, but because of my bad grades in the past, I didn't have a very high GPA at that time. Uh, but I graduated with a degree in ag business uh, with a crop science um, concentration and... Uh, there were two girls that I went to school with that were in my speech class and they were in my art class and they went to Simpson University. And Simpson University was a non-denominational 
um, uh, university up there in Reading. And I went over there and, and I decided to talk to them and decided to go to school there. And for the first time in my life, I really sat down and, and I, I actually, um, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I really sat down and really studied the Bible. I mean, we had, um, we had the book of Acts class and we had introduction to Christianity class. And so we had these, we had these amazing classes that were teaching me about Jesus. And, and it was interesting how, how God had brought me to that point. Um, one of the things that I had, uh, um, that I had not mentioned earlier was, was God has saved my life, literally saved my life. I believed He saved my life that night when I was, when I was, um, had drugs in my trunk. Um, but, uh, uh, when I was little, uh, we were at the Colorado River and we were, we were, uh, my dad was taking us across the river and, and I didn't know how to swim and there was a rope on the other side of the river. And, and uh, I was standing there waiting my turn, and, and the current got really, um, you know, got really bad and, and swept me out into the river. And I was going down the river, and I couldn't swim. And I remember being under the water and, and you know, getting ready to drown. And, and there was a bridge that went over the river, and this, uh, this fisherman that was on the bridge um, jumped into the river and, and grabbed me and pulled me up out of the water um, that was that was the first time that God had saved my life, and then the second time we were um, we were at this uh, we were at this ghost town of all places, and and there was a well in in the middle of the street, and I was standing on the edge of the well, and I was I was walking around on 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 the edge of because it was like a you know like a, a brick wall around the well, and I actually fell into the well, but one of my uncles happened to be there. And my uncle Harold, who lives in Ohio, happened to be there, and he grabbed me as I was falling into the well, and he pulled me out. And I don't know what it would have been like if he hadn't been there and hadn't grabbed me. Um, but uh, uh, another time, I was fishing um, with my dad and my uncle, and we were fishing for albacore out here, out of Morro Bay. Couldn't see land. Been dry, you know out there motoring for hours, and and uh, and the shark showed up and started to you know, um, attack our, you know, tuna as we got him close to the boat. You know, shark would just come by and just chomp it in half. And, and I, I can tell you that gets really old in a hurry. And um, so m- my dad started shooting these sharks. And, and my, my uncle would gaff the shark and throw it in the boat. And my dad would shoot one, gaff the shark, throw it in the boat. And uh, I was just standing there bored. And there's an extra gaff. And I'm like, I can help. So I grabbed this gaff. And I reach over to the side of the boat and I gaff this shark. The only problem was that it hadn't been shot yet. And so my dad's brother, my uncle Galen, he was standing there. And as my feet were being catapulted up into the air because the shark took off when I gaffed it, my uncle grabbed me by the seat of the pants and pulled me back into the boat. That wouldn't have been pretty for sure. That wouldn't have been pretty for sure. The other time was uh, I passed out. Uh, we lived out here in Templeton. We had a ranch out in Templeton, and it was late at night, and I was on my way home, and I passed out, and, and I hit an oak tree, and I'm not sure how fast I was going, um, but the steering wheel of my Chevelle uh, went through, the, through my seat where I was sitting, 
but I didn't have my seatbelt on. And so it, it threw me down and, and literally the car kept running and I was able to drive the car home, which was about another mile. And nobody believed me that I drove that car home. Because if you would look at that car, you would think that I would have, di- I would have died in that car. For sure, I would have died in that car. I mean, it was just smashed. I don't even know how I drove it home. But anyway, so that's the fourth time. The fifth and sixth time, I'll share a little bit later. But now I'm at Simpson University and I'm learning about God and I still had, I still had, uh, um, I still had a lot of questions. And um, I found myself in a spot where I was really confused because I started going to churches. I had gone to churches, you know, through, through the years. I'd been to different churches. Um, but I started going to these different churches, these, uh, these, these people that I went to school with. They, they, I don't know how many churches were in Reading, but there were a lot. And I attended, I don't know, it was like seven or eight, nine different churches. And I was going to these different churches. And the irony was they were living their life the same way that I was living my life. But they were going to church. And so I was like scratching my head. I'm like, wait a minute. You go, you're like living with her, you're sleeping, you're doing this, you're drinking. I'm trying to get away from all that. You know, and, and, and so it was Babylon. This is exactly like the Bible says. It's Babylon. It was confusion. And so one night I had a dream. And I showed you a picture of my grandparents. In my dream, my grandfather comes to me and he told me that I needed to go back to the Adventist church, that that's where my home was. And that I wouldn't be happy until I did. So this dream really just it really blew me away. And, and, and I had, I'll back up a little bit. I had had back surgery about a month before that. And I was in physical therapy at that time. And uh, I, the next morning I had physical therapy. And uh, this lady is doing ultrasound on my back like they always do. And that morning I was quiet because I was thinking about this dream that I had. And... So this lady wanted to know why I was being so quiet. And so I told her, I said, they said, well, I said, you know, I had this dream last night. And she goes, well, tell me about your dream. So I told her about my dream. And she stops doing her ultrasound. And she goes, Malin, do you know that I'm an Adventist? And I go, no, I I didn't know that. And actually, she used to sing with the Heritage Singers. Her name was uh, Jenny Yost. Her and her husband, Rudy, used to sing with the Heritage Singers. And... uh, so no, I, I said, no, I didn't know that. And, and so that kind of blew me away. And, and so then I've got my dream and I've got Jenny, you know, telling me, you know, now that she's an Adventist and she invites me to church and she goes to church out in Palisadro. And so she invites me to church and I go to church with her and it, I don't know, it just didn't sit real well with me. It just, it, the church. So I, I didn't go anymore and several weeks went by and uh, my cousin was living in Texas at the time, one of my cousins, and, and uh, she lived with a girl named Carrie, and whenever I would call there to talk to my cousin, Carrie would answer the phone sometimes, and I'd talk with her, and so um, I was kind of getting to know Carrie a little bit. Well, Carrie had a grandmother in Reading, and, and uh, she wanted to know if I'd do her a favor, that her grandmother just had surgery on her feet and wanted me to go visit her. What a strange request. So I'm like, okay, sure, I'll go visit your grandmother. And so I went to go visit her grandmother. Happened to be on a Saturday. Um, to me, it wasn't Sabbath. It was just Saturday. And, and, it, and um, I went to go visit her, and I knocked on her door. And sure enough, um, uh, it was open. And so I went in, 
And she was sitting there with her feet propped up, bandaged, you know, had surgery on, excuse me, both of her feet. And I sat there in her house for about three hours that afternoon, and, and uh, we talked. And that was, that was a real moving time, a real moving part in my life. She was a missionary in China with her husband. She was an Adventist. Um, and so God kept putting me in, in, in with all these Adventist people. And I, and, and, and I was like, wow, this is just, this is, this is really something. And then, so then I, so I graduated from, uh, I graduated from Simpson University and, um, I had the opportunity to, uh, go to the Reading Church because Carrie, uh, the lady that had surgery on her feet, she went, uh, to the Reading Church and so she, uh, introduced me to her her uh, her uh, brother and and and, da- and sister-in-law and and we got to be good friends and so I was attending the Reading Church and I was doing Bible study and and uh, you know the one thing that I had a problem with <laughs> the one thing that I had a problem with was giving up my my uh, my pork <laughs> that was the biggest problem I didn't have a problem with the Sabbath I didn't have a problem with anything but boy I'll tell you that's one thing I really struggled with was giving up the pork. I was like, are you sure? You know? <laughs> so I had the opportunity to go to camp meeting. And um, at camp meeting, you know, and, and I told them, I said, you know, I, I said, you know, they, they went to camp meeting every year. And, and I told them, I said, I don't have any money. And they said, well, that, don't worry about the money. You know, if you want to go to camp meeting, you go to camp meeting. And I told them, I said, yeah, that'd be great. Because I used to go to camp meeting with my grandparents here at Soquel when I was growing up. And so that brought back a lot of good memories, you know, camp meeting. So I thought, well, I'll go to camp meeting. So I went to camp meeting, and at camp meeting, I actually met uh, my wife, Kathy. And um, on the first Sabbath of camp meeting, we were at Redwood Camp Meeting up in Northern California, and I met my wife, Kathy, and and her and I talked quite a bit that day. And um, so I'll back up just a little bit here when... when, uh, um, When I had my dream and my grandfather came to me and told me that I needed to go back to the Adventist church, it was a couple, I'd, I told you I'd had back surgery, and it was a couple of nights after that, and I was sitting in my house, and I was watching television, and this Christian program came on, and, and they started talking about me, literally. I mean, everything they said was about me. I mean, everything, it just matched in detail. Everything that I'd gone through, my struggles, my habits, my, at, my addictions, everything, they were talking about me. And, and they even talked about my back surgery. And that just, that was like, wow. And they prayed about my back surgery. And, and at the time, my back was bandaged up and I was sitting there on my coffee table and I'm watching TV, this Christian program. And... They pray over my back. And when they did that, I could feel this heat in my back. And the next, the next time I went to physical therapy, they, they couldn't believe the improvement that had taken place in my back. And I believe that God healed my back that night. I still have problems with my back, but if you had any idea what I went through before that, because... I could show you the scar on my back. I've showed, I've showed a couple of people. I could show you the scar on my back. It's ugly. 
I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't microscopic, you know, arthroscopic, whatever they call it, arthroscopic back surgery that they do today. This was, this was, you know, opened me up like a can. I mean, it, it, it's bad. And, and I, I had a bad experience with my back. I mean, it was a mess. But I believe God healed me that night. The, uh, the camp meeting experience, I met this gentleman. His name's Brent Brissett. He was the evangelist, Northern California evangelist. And him and I really hit it off. We had a lot of similarities um, in our life. And him and I really hit it off. And, and when I was sharing my testimony up to that point, um, he got really excited. And he, was, and, and he was like, you know what, brother? He goes, we've got to get you baptized. He goes, have you ever been baptized? I go, no, I've never been baptized. We've got to get you baptized. And, and, so, and so I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I said, you know, I, um, um, I'm not drinking anymore, um, but I chew tobacco. I've been chewing tobacco for about 18 years. And, and I said, I've tried to quit before. And, you know, I, I know that I could probably get baptized, you know, and, and still be chewing tobacco, you know, and let the Holy Spirit take that. I said, but, but the way God's been working in my life, I really want to come to the water clean. I don't want to have any addictions. I don't want to have, you know, I want to come. When I get baptized, I want to, I want to be clear of that. I want to be clean of that. And, and so he said, you know what, brother? He goes, that's fine. He goes, I'm going to have this whole camp meeting praying for you. And he did. He did. He, you have to know Brent. He went around and he just asked everybody that he knew and even people he didn't know to pray for me. And the next day, which was Sunday, I had to go back to Reading because I was in physical therapy. And so I went back to Reading. And, and, uh, and that week, that week was unbelievable. That whole week, I was tortured and tempted beyond, almost beyond what I was capable of handling. But this verse says, No temptations has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That whole week, I mean, guys and girls and drugs and alcohol and everything, it just like bombarded my house all week long. And I was like, no. It was, I remember the very first time I stood there in the doorway and I said, no, you know, I've, I've, uh, um, you know, I've made some changes. You know, I've given my life to Jesus and I'm, I'm not like that anymore. And it was so cool to say that. It was the old, that was the first time I'd ever said that before. First time ever I'd given my life to Jesus and I'm not like that anymore. And it was, I mean, it, it, was, it was awesome. So to get back to... I, 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 uh, I got a ride from camp meeting to Reading. So to get back to camp meeting, I had to get a ride. And the pastor of the Reading church, Reinhold Tilstra, was going to give me a ride. So we are, we are on our way back to camp meeting. And, and uh, he knows Highway 299 really, really well. Uh, and, and we're driving pretty fast. And it was getting late. And he wanted to get there before sundown. And so we're driving really, really fast. And all of a sudden, we come around this corner, and there are cars along the river. So on the left, there's the river. And, and this is a narrow, if you've ever been on that highway um, that goes from Reading to, uh, to, uh, to Eureka, um, it's very narrow. And there's the, there's the wall of the mountain on this side, and there's the river on this side. As we were coming around this corner, 
this is like 60, 70 miles an hour. This truck pulls right out in front of us, makes this, was, is making a U-turn and pulls out right in front of us. And I closed my eyes because I knew this was it. We're going to hit this truck or we're going to hit this mountain. There's no other option. It's either A or B. Truck, mountain. There was no other option. So I closed my eyes. He slams on his brakes and he turns towards the mountain. And all of a sudden, we come to a stop. And I open my eyes and, and we're just like inches, like inches, two, two, three inches in, before this mountain. Miracle. Absolute miracle. I, him and I both looked at each other. People came over and they're like, are you guys okay? And they're just like, how did you, how did that, how did that, I, I, and Reinhold, he was in a hurry, so he backed up and just waved and drove off and, 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 you know, it, we talked a little bit about it, but you know what? He didn't say much. This is what he said. He says, brother, somebody doesn't want you to be baptized. That's what he said. So when we got over to camp meeting, I was excited to find Kathy and, and I was excited to share with her, you know, my experiences and, and especially how God had just saved us, you know, and delivered us from this car accident. Um, it was just amazing. So the next day, let's see, the Lord will preserve, yep, uh, Psalms 41.2, the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive and he shall be blessed upon the earth and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. And so I thought that verse fit um, the, car, uh, the car miracle quite well. This is me standing in the Ill River in uh, July of 1993. And I am about to be baptized. And I can tell you that that was a, um, that was a life-changing moment for me, for sure. I explained to you that I had met Kathy and at camp meeting. And so, you know, her and I, um, we, we, uh, we started, we started to date. And, um, this says, uh, do not anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Philippians 4, 6. This verse is because when I got back from camp meeting, workman's comp, I was on workman's comp at the time because I injured my back when I worked offshore on, uh, on oil drilling rigs in the, in the, well, I went, I, I went out there when I was just right after I turned 18. And, um, I hurt my back and so, I thought that while I was going to school would be a good time to have back surgery, and so I did. And so it was workman's comp, and they weren't paying me, and so I didn't have any money. And it and it was a very it was a very difficult time because uh, I had mentioned that when they invited me to camp meeting, I told told you that you know that I didn't have any money. I still didn't have any money, and so I met Kathy, and um, she her uh, her cousin who is a uh, an emergency physician. Uh, emergency room physician at um, uh, Cave Junction. Thank you. Um, and so they were close. You know, Kathy wasn't too far away in Brookings, Oregon, and, and Cave Junction. And and um, uh, they uh, their church was having a church campout, and and Kathy invited me to go on this church campout. And um, I really wanted to go. I mean, I really really wanted to go, but I didn't have any money. And it was a long ways. I mean, it's way, way up in Northern California, almost to the Oregon border. 
um, where they were going. And um, I didn't have any money. And so I started sharing with people and praying and, and, and all kinds of people offered to loan me the money. And I thought, you know, it, if God wants me to go, then he'll provide a way, right? I mean, he'll, he will. He'll provide a way. He's, he's provided everything else I've needed so far, and he'll provide a way. And um, I just didn't feel right about borrowing the money, and so I didn't. Well, it was the, it, it was, it was the day before I was supposed to go, and, and I went down to the post office and checked my mail and nothing. And I was like, well, maybe they, maybe they do it late. And so it was like about 11 o'clock that night, I went back down to the post office, checked my post office box, still nothing. And so then I was kind of depressed and I was, I was like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so the next morning I woke up and I was like, I have guns. I can hawk. I can pawn one of my guns. So, that, so, so I grabbed one of my guns, and, and uh, I put it in the front seat of my truck, and I'm, I'm headed down to the pawn shop there in Reading to, uh, you know, to uh, pawn off my gun so I had money to go. And as I was driving by the post office, no kidding, this voice was like, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. And I'm and 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 so I just I had this I had this urge this impression to pull into the post office. So I pulled into the post office, but it was only ten o'clock in the morning. I was just there at eleven o'clock that night, and the mail doesn't come until in the afternoon. What could possibly have changed, right? So I go in the post office and I open my PO box, and there are not just one, but all of the back payments that Workman's Comp owed me. There was like six envelopes right there in my PO box. And I was like, wow, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. I wanted confirmation because I, I was asking God, God, if this is something you want me to do, if you want me to go on this camping trip, then, then you have to provide for me. I mean, I, I don't want to borrow the money and I didn't really want to pawn my gun, but I was, going to, I was doing that. And it was like, oh, you have little faith. So I went on the camping trip and I met, uh, I met Kathy's cousin and his family and, and we had a great time. Um, it was... Uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, we dated uh, for a while. That's, our sick, that's a picture that was taken up at our brother's up, up in Middletown above Clear Lake. And that was about six months after into our dating. That was our six-month anniversary. And um, this is Jonathan and Laura. Jonathan was 11, I think, or 10. No, he was 11 at that time. He just turned 11 in November. And, and, uh, and Laura was seven. And here's Laura. And Laura, you can wave your hand. And my, my two beautiful grandchildren, Everett and Violet. And so I didn't only fall in love with their mother. I fell in love with Laura and Jonathan as well. They were, they were a lot of fun. We had a lot of, a lot of good times together. And June 26, 1994, Kathy and I were married in the Reading Church. And um, this limousine, I can tell you, it might look extravagant, but here's the story behind this limousine. I had had many, many opportunities to ride in a limousine over my lifetime. I was 34 years old when I got married. I had many opportunities to ride in a limousine, and I always said no, that my first limousine ride is going to be on my wedding day. And so that was my first limousine ride, and it was Kathy's first limousine ride. 
Neither one of us had ever been in a limousine. So that was my treat. Colossians 3, 13-16. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So the first, the first year that Kathy and I were married, you, I just shared my testimony. I had a lot of baggage. And, and she, had, she had some baggage of her own. And thank God for, for good, good godly men and good godly women that have dedicated their lives to counseling. Because... Um, we were able to counsel with this uh, gentleman named Ron Turner, uh, who was, uh, who was uh, a teacher uh, at Lodi Academy. And he was an amazing man, amazing godly man. And um, we, were able to, we were able to work through a lot of, um, a lot of areas of our life um, in, that, uh, in that first year of our marriage. Three years later, we were blessed with little Jessica. Um, that is, uh, that is her. And this is all of us. And then as they got older and they started to grow, this is all of us. This is, uh, this is my, our son Jonathan and his wife Katie and our grandson Micah and Aiden. And then you, Violet and Everett, you'll meet. They're here. Um, my uh, son-in-law, Tony, is not here. And Jessica is not here. But this is our family. My quiver is full. I have been blessed. This was taken June this last summer, celebrating our 25th anniversary. Amen? Amen. Dear Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for uh, your willingness to hear and answer our prayers and the prayers of others. We thank you that we're willing, that uh, you are willing, Lord, to um, always be there for us and never tempt us beyond what we're capable of, of withstanding. And Lord, we thank you for the work you have done in our lives. And I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share today. And we ask you these things in your name. Amen.